City University Television presents The American Theatre Wing Seminars Working in the Theatre This seminar Hello, I'm Sandra Gilman, Chairman of the American Theatre Wing, and this is Doug Leeds, our President. Welcome to the American Theatre Wing's Working in the Theatre Seminars, which are being broadcast by CUNY-TV at the Graduate Center of the City University of New York. We have been offering these seminars for 30 years. Before we begin, we want to thank the Annenberg Foundation for their generous support of our seminar programs. These seminars play an important role in the Wing's efforts to provide educational programs for people interested in theater. We are now also broadcasting a new weekly radio show called Downstage Center on XM Satellite Radio. On these shows, we also bring conversations with theater artists both on stage and behind the scenes to listeners across America. To further support our educational efforts, the American Theatre Wing each year provides grants and scholarships to New York theaters and theater students. All of our educational and media programs, including these seminars, are available free, on demand, from our website, www.americantheaterwing.org. The Wing is best known as the creator of the Tony Awards, honoring excellence in theater on Broadway. We are continuing to present the awards with the League of American Theaters and Producers. Today's seminar looks at humor in performance, and we are very lucky to have with us today four performers who regularly give us the gift of laughter. We thank you for joining us, and we are very pleased to introduce our moderator, television critic, Pia Lindstrom. <laughs> Thank you. Welcome to our very serious show on the subject of comedy. We have got some experts with us here today. I'm going to introduce them. First of all, Julie Halston, a fearless comedian, multi-voiced. She collaborated with the drag diva Charles Bush, a co-founder of his company. She's been in Gypsy on the 20th Century, Hairspray, and she has a stand-up comedy show called Lifetime of Comedy, so she knows a thing or two about it. Next to her is Michael McKeon, actor, musical composer, screenwriter. Of course, we know him from so many movies, dozens and dozens of mo movies like The Best in Show. He co-wrote This is Spinal Tap. In the theater, he started in a satirical group, and then he has gone to Hairspray and filled the enormous brassiere of Harvey Firestein very, very well in that one, and is now in a Woody Allen comedy. 
On this side, Mario Cantone, or as I know him, Mario Cantone. Thank Cantone. <laughs> you don't like the Americanization. I know. I want Cantone. Okay. M you can Mario. have Cantone. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. <laughs> An actor and a comedian. He is extravagant, outrageous, everything from temper tantrums to personal anecdotes. Yes, his my family. temper <laughs> <laughs> Sure, looking forward to it. He was in Love, Valor, and Compassion. Got wonderful reviews in that. Sex and the City, of course. And he has his one-man show, Laugh whore. We'll have to discuss that. <laughs> Judy Kay, the fabulous, incredible Judy Kay, uh, with you. an illustrious resume, solo work, musicals, a Tony Award for Phantom, four companies of Fiddler, five companies of Jesus Christ Superstar, <laughs> Grease Ragtime, and now she's singing very badly on the New York stage. So I want to ask you. <laughs> How do you turn a fabulous, commanding, magnificent voice into bad singing for humor? Well, yes, I, and I, I am doing it on purpose. Um, how do you do it? Well, first of all, the, the piece is called Souvenir, and it is uh, a play about the relationship of uh, Florence Foster Jenkins, who was uh, sort of a... a a New York oddity back 20s, 30s, 40s. She was a wealthy woman who thought herself to be a great coloratura soprano. She sang a lot, probably too much, some people thought. She <laughs> gave concerts, uh, certainly once a year at the Ritz-Carlton, and they were uh, very much attended by all the, the hoi polloi, and uh, she sang terribly. So this is about her and her relationship with Cosme McMoon, her accompanist. How do you do it? Um, First, you have to know how to sing right, I think. Mm -hmm. that's, that's really important, or you could hurt yourself. But I approach it every night the same way as if I was doing, you know, Traviata or Mamma Mia. I don't know. I so vocalize a little bit. you take comedy yeah. seriously. Absolutely. <laughs> the I take her very seriously. She took herself very seriously, so I should too. Would you just miss notes or something? It must be more complicated no, than, than you, that. You, ha you have to learn these arias, or as much of them as we're doing. And then sort of, uh, it's, I, I, I liken it to jazz. I'm making some kind of, some choices here and there. And I know that other musicians will probably find those choices interesting because sometimes she's under the pitch, sometimes she's over the pitch, sometimes it's a quarter tone, sometimes it's a half. Yeah. So one of the qualities that I imagine comedians have to have is a good ear. You have a motive voice. You're known for doing every kind of voice. In fact, I read somewhere that you, you said you were disordered <laughs> in your mind oh. with all these voices. Well, you have to be disordered to be a comedian, <laughs> too, actually. Very dysfunctional. Um, I don't, I actually have, I, I, my range is actually not that big, actually. Mm -hmm. I actually think Mario has a, a bigger range. But, but the range that I do have are very extreme characterizations, which I think is why people think I have all these voices. Uh, when I was working with Charles Bush, mm -hmm. um, and it comes down to what, what Judy was saying, in a sense, is technique. Uh, we did <coughs> parodies of classic 1930s um, material. And, and Charles, uh, you know, was very good at this as well. In order to be a parodist, you have to, in, in a sense, know what the re real thing was. You can't sing badly unless you can sing well. Uh -huh. Otherwise, you're just singing badly. Yeah, yes. uh, what I learned from Charles, which was so great, is learn how to do it right. 
learn how to really talk like one of those 1930s people. You see, you really have to do that really correctly. You understand, you know, it's one of those kind of things. Um, and, y and you can't parody that correctly and, and, and accurately unless you really know how to do it well. And it is a technique. And so through those, uh, those shows that we did, like Vampire Lesbians of Sodom and The Lady in Question and Theodora, She Bitch of Byzantium and all these great, great parodies. But I learned, um, you know, through a gender bender illusionist, as they're now called. Oh. Yeah, you know, we just okay. call them drag. Yes, I thought it was you know. a drag but, queen. But um, okay. <laughs> you learned those techniques, how to really manipulate your voice. But you did a lot of listening, too. You must have watched a lot of I, old well, movies. I did that before 20th century. Exactly. I mean, I would just soak to. in those movies all the time. And that was what I think was so genius of Charles, you know, because I was a bad actress. I was, I was at Hofstra University on scholarship, but I was a terrible actress. And, and, and Charles... You know, I remember the first time I worked with him, the director, Ken Elliott, said, I heard him in the kitchen. He said, she's terrible. <laughs> and, and Charles said, I know, but she's very popular. We'll have an audience. <laughs> and, and that really is the truth. That, that's verbatim. And, but, you know, if you have a good ear and if you have sensibility, you pick it up. And I learned very quickly, because Charles was such a good teacher. And I, he said, I want, I'm going to give you a stack you know, of 20, you know, 20 movies. And plus, as a kid, I watched them all. You know, Helen Roderick and Eve Arden and Roz Russell. And I mean, I literally just immerse myself. And you have to mimic it. And it may not be inherent in you yet, but if you mimic enough well, and then it becomes a part of you. Well, if you watched those when you were a kid, though, then you loved them. Yeah, and, and I, I did get the rhythm in. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you, have you to do a lot of impersonation yeah, some of, of people. <coughs> Not this morning, I just got up. I <laughs> can only do Bacall yeah. today. Can you be yourself? <laughs> Maybe do Hello. a lot of yeah. for us. I want you to be Mario today. Uh, all right. I mean, do you, do you call it mimicry, or what do you impersonate? What is I don't know. Do you hear the voice? Yeah, I, some of them, you know, some of them are more studied than others, where I, I, I have to really study it to get it, and then most of them are just... I, I don't know. I just. Well, that's them. the ear. You always had this ear. Yeah, I think when I was a kid. I mean, like I used to when I was younger. My first impressions were, I used to love Lily Tomlin, and I would like you know Ernestine and Edith Ann and that stuff. And Julia Child was my first, one of my first impressions, and I still do so it today. It, it, but that's because you I had to let her go. <laughs> can't let Julia go. That's because you have a particular sensitivity in your ear for tonal qualities. I don't. I don't know. I wish I could tell you. Analyze this. Sometimes See, I'm I don't. To get to I don't know how. I don't know how I do funny. it. That's yeah. the point. You know, <laughs> I've had voice teachers say, "I'd love to look down your throat and see, see what, your, what? what your chords are, are like." But it must be mental alertness. I look at them and they just look like female <laughs> genitalia. I, I don't know. You know. I can't talk. Well, they did. Also, is the desire and will. The desire and the will. Let me ask you something. Have you ever? Have you ever been? Have you ever thought you had somebody? And then you try it for someone, and they say, that doesn't sound like him at all. Oh. Yeah. Because I've had that yes. experience, and I don't do a ton of impressions, but sometimes I, I'll be at home, and I'll go, boy, that sounds just like Walter Matthau, whatever. <laughs> and then I'll pull it on somebody, guess who this is? <laughs> and they'll go, Gregory Peck? <laughs> <laughs> and it's just, I, it, I hear it one way. It's like hearing yourself on a tape recorder for the first time. But your yeah. humor isn't like that. You don't do... Isn't like what? The, the mimicry. I think of you doing a uh, more of kind of an affectionate playing a little bit under. 
Is that well, not clear? Um, I don't know about affectionate. Uh, uh, I ridicule, I ridicule can be affectionate. <laughs> well, I'm, I am an affectionate guy. But uh, I, I think what I try to do, if I'm, if I'm doing, uh, say, a type, a parody of a type, mm -hmm. uh, I will try and find something that's positive and follow that. But mainly, I think, and I, Judy hit upon it, the thing that's really most funny about people is how seriously they take themselves. Mm -hmm. So if you're doing someone, I did this film Best in Show, and we were, we were these, these guys who loved their dogs and loved showing their dogs, but it wasn't the end of the world <laughs> if they didn't win. It was just, there was something really benign about them. Yeah. But it's the fact that they took it very seriously that made them amusing. And of course, others in the film, uh, like the Parker, Posey's, uh, Parker Posey and Mike Hitchcock, they're that couple. I mean, they took themselves so seriously, you wanted to kill them. But that was the funny part. So that's another way of approaching humor. It's the same way, really. I mean, it's making fun, but it's also it's adopting their, their beliefs. Their, that's what makes it's, them funny. Yeah, I mean, it's... And I don't, I don't know, people, I don't know what the difference is between, like, a character or an impression, but I think you have to approach them both the same way. And, and, you, and I mean, you, I think you have to have a point of view, no matter what. And you, and, and you have to kind of get inside the psychological makeup of the person and, and what, what's funny about them. Is it the neediness or is so it So you the, have to analyze. Yeah, you do. You but analyze your characters that absolutely. you're playing. So you have to have the ear and then you analyze I feel them. like I, I'm lazy, though. I, I think I analyze them just by looking at them and then go, all right, I, I got it. I, I'm, I'm a lazy person, too. Well, so. what about body language? I mean, how, a lot of humor is, Physical. is yeah. what we see in the face or the body. Now, yeah. do you work with a mirror, you say? Uh, I have, but I, I generally don't like to because I'm so Charlotte Greenwood looking. You know, I'm very all arms and legs. And, and you know, the vanity in me can, can prevent me from doing something fearless. So I actually try not to look at myself. Hmm. Uh, when I had to do Gypsy, for example, you're a and stripper, I and you're playing Miss Electra, <laughs> and she was so out of it and so, you know, done <laughs> toast. She was toast. And Sam Mendez, our director, um, who really guided me to that, and I thought it, I, I thought he really helped create an incredible characterization. Said to All me, "All three of those girls were, were amazing. It was an amazing sequence in Gypsy. Yeah. Very good." And uh, he said, "Julie, I don't want you looking at the mirror. I don't want you looking at yourself. I don't want you to do anything. You just stand there. I don't. I just say those lyrics to yourself. But you cannot move. I don't want you moving. For for a physical comedian not to move Ooh. is it was so difficult. And you had to rely on the gimmick of of lights." which I had to literally just, I got carpal tunnel, actually, from, you know, but to not move, but to trust that the characterization and that the physicalization of this woman who's so out of it was going to come through. And, of course, she came through beautifully. It was a really masterstroke on Sam Mendes' yeah. part. Um, but I think <coughs> we all, all of us, physically, you do have to give over mm -hmm. to what you're going to commit to, you know? You have to feel like them. I feel like yeah. when I get it, I'm like, I feel like them right now. I yes. feel like I look like, I don't even look in the mirror and go, I you look in the mirror, I, I think you could screw it up. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's like, it would make you self-conscious. I look in the mirror, but never looks at himself in the mirror a lot. Well, there you, yeah. No, I, I mean, that, some people yeah. don't like to do that. 
What about physical agility? I mean, do you all take dance and movement classes in order to, I you know, you're sleeping? I can't even cut my toes. <laughs> well, don't you have to have, if you're going to have this body that's so expressive, don't you have to do body works or something? Yeah, I, sh I mean, I, 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 I'm so not limber. I mean, I guess I dance, I move. Okay. But I, I, well, you, I definitely, you but dance. I never trained. I just kind of did it. I trained you, for a long time. You trained. Yeah, I, I danced a lot. She's but disciplined. I, 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 I was disciplined that. at one time. <laughs> well, she, she has a Tony. <laughs> she has a Tony, that's why. Well, She's disciplined. Mm, but uh, yeah, uh, then there's a time that you put it aside. You know, you, you do all the work, you, you do all the preparation, then you put it aside and you just embody, you know, make an attempt at embodying this person and believing totally. And it's, it's, it's really one of these giving body, over. That's exactly what you also have to is. make them funny. So when you say, I want to make a character that people will laugh at and show something in the body, how do you go about finding that? I think it takes care of itself. Mm -hmm. I think if you, you know, unless your director is a complete idiot and, and has blocked you doing clever things with your body, then it's not going to, you know, that, that is at odds with mm -hmm. kind of the way... It's just a matter of conversation, getting mm -hmm. it narrowed down. Mm -hmm. does, a, does a comedian need a director? You oh, already yeah. prepared. Uh, you all need I a do. director. You need, you a, need third a, oh, yeah, oh, a third eye. Somebody yeah, I out do. front. Really, because I thought you do so much of your own work yourself on I finding mean, this voice and the It's movement. still collaborative, though. It is. Especially, I mean, and, and I'd, I've never done stand-up. I couldn't begin to do that. Yeah. But, uh, but in a play, I mean, you're, you're relying on the... the the other person so much, and you're relying on that eye, that person who's got the entire play in front of them. Right. You know? Well, the difference is stand-up. Yeah, stand-up is a little bit by yourself. I, I don't so have now, a director for my stand-up, but I have, I have people that I trust, or yeah. one person that I trust, uh, that watches out for me a little bit. But also, you're with that audience so much that it's almost like they're directing yeah. you. It's like, oh, that didn't oh, work. Oh, you're hearing. I, you know, you're hearing. Yeah. But as far as a show goes, I need a director. Especially as an actor, I think I really need a director. Well, right, because there are other people. Well, yeah. But when you're only playing with yourself, so to speak, oh. yeah. you're there. I didn't have a show with yeah. <laughs> I told you not to walk blue today. <laughs> but I do find when I was doing a lot more of my own stuff, yeah. I actually didn't have a director for a number of years. But I would, uh, I would go over to Charles's, or I'd talk to my husband, and uh, you know, he he was actually a good editor. And he'd say, oh, I think you can get to that joke a lot quicker. You know, I would, I have, again, the like husband's going to be good. My husband is very good, actually. And he, you know, the few times where I would venture to be a little um, raucous, as they say. <laughs> my husband, it was so funny, he was like Edgar Rosenberg, you know. I used to call him Edgar, <laughs> you know. Uh, he'd say, uh, Joy Lawson doesn't want blue. Get that out. Get that out. And, and, but it was so interesting because he knew the persona very well. And you have to have a persona. It's like what Mario says, what we've all talked about, point of view. My persona when I do my stand-up is that I'm a sort of grand diva, oh. you know. Uh, you know, sort of, sort of a nicer version of Joan Crawford, sort of. Um, but he, and it was very interesting because the one time I would find myself getting a little more raucous or whatever, didn't work. And he was absolutely dead on. So I think it's always good to have a, a third eye. But I didn't have a director for my stand-up. But if I were to do a one-person show again, uh, which I hope will happen right. again, uh, I would definitely have a director. Definitely. So what's the difference between people who choose comedy 
one alone and those of you who do it in a group? Is there a different personality structure? Oh, a different uh, oh, attitude? I think there's a <coughs> there, there is kind of a, a lower threshold, obviously, to begin working in one. I mean, because all you really need is a microphone. If you have uh, an idea, if you have a, a you know something to do, uh, working with other people that involves well, you know what that's like. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> it's, but it's you add you lib a lot of the things that you do in, in some of those films, and you those are all improvised. Yeah. That's, all that's improvised a different story. That's that's, so that's that's the concept of those. But that's a those little films. bit. Don't you improvise? I improvise a lot. I write on stage. I mean, you write I, I don't ever sit down and go, like, dead, 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 dead. I can't do notes? it. You don't have notes? I have things notes? in my head. I have a few punchlines. I have scenarios in my head. I may write down like something, but I don't... The only thing I really can r sit down and write is maybe a, 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 a small character monologue or, or, or um, a, song, a song parody or something, but I can't... And you remember all I, that when yeah, you Yeah, I do. The, the only time it finally went on paper is when I did the um, tryout of, of, of Laugh Horror at the American Airlines Theater in, in 2002, and they taped it, and, and Magic Describe Fingers it. typed yeah. it out. So I finally saw it, and I went, oh, <coughs> here it is, because I had to have it copywritten and all that stuff. Right. So, no, I, I, write on, I write on stage, and it's all, it's all my, my tongue is my pen. Oh. And again, you're letting the audience tell you where to go next. Yeah. In, in a sense, yeah. I mean, as far as the dynamics of it go. And things, I don't know, it's easier for me. Things come up in my brain, and quicker when I'm getting the laughs, and, and then I know it's going to work. I don't have to go try it out. It's like, well, it worked. <laughs> it saves time. Well, it's all laziness. It all comes down to laziness. What happens when you have to memorize it? You're in a play, and they ask you to memorize the dialogue. Oh, I do that. Well, I've done so many so plays, too, and I've, and I've also been in comedy groups, so I, I love that. working it's with other people. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Okay. I'm yeah. completely different. Everything I do is Write it down. not only written down, but it is that rehearsed is. to with an inch of its life. But... What I find is when I've been rehearsed to within an inch of my life, then I can go off. You go off. I do go off. Absolutely but you have the structure. Well, like I that. have the structure. You have see, the structure unlike Mario, because Mario, well, you know, uh, you know, it's just a different personality type. He is, I think, so fed by the audience, whereas I'm so fed by the work. Uh, you, you, yes, see, you see, yes. it's a little different. It's true. So I am so fed by the rehearsed bit that I know works. So when I do that, then if I know it's working, okay, okay, then I can go off a little like bit and I can process. veer off, but then I know I can get right back on track. Whereas you kind of take it into a whole nother thing. And I hate rehearsal. I hate rehearsal. Right. I hate it. No, I most hate actors it. love rehearsal. Take your process and have it. Really? I was tired. Everything. I want to do it. No, I hate process too. I oh, hate really? it, but I just, it this works for me. But so you, but you, but are, you're, you're more disciplined. I'm like, let's just go. I'm sure you like rehearsing, don't you? Well, yeah, I do. I do. Yeah, but I there's, a, there's a point <laughs> when it's time to stop and just yeah. get in front of an audience. But there's also a fun thing that happens once you have rehearsed everything and you have you've made some decisions about who you're playing and I'm, I'm talking about in a, in a in a theatrical sense not necessarily in a stand-up but there is that wonderful musicality about comedy in in uh, in a piece you know and uh, and I, I love that I love finding the music and all of that and I love sort of it's you know I'm setting you up and then you're setting me up and then and then it's like it's like playing pool. I think if I if I say it this way and that that response comes that way, the ball will wind up in the corner pocket. I just I just love the the science and the musicality of comedy. 
you know, and, and you're rewarded right away. You know if it worked. Because yeah, you hear the audience. You do, you do. Now, what my drama is confusing because it's like, is it I working? They're so quiet. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Well, what happens when they don't laugh? <clears throat> you kill yourself. Is that it? The arrow go my chair and go, it's a friggin' library out there. Do, do you, does a knife go? It's awful. It's yes, awful. it's a knife. It's, it's a knife. It's a knife. Terrible. You feel the knife. It's, well, a it's scary. scary. It's got to be scary. Well, a play, you, you just have to go on. I mean, you just say, well. Well, you can always say it's play. It's really interesting like because you're working on a lot of levels. I'm sure you all feel this, that you're, you're, you're worrying about the material and this, and then if you're in your light, and you're, am, am I in the right spot on the stage, and are we, you know, and, and that's the same way in film, and, and there are a lot of different things to be concentrating on. So if the laugh doesn't happen, you just, you just have to plow on. Maybe they're smiling heavily out there. So also, you know, humor doesn't... Translate, does it everywhere? Do you find people with this laugh at the same things no. in the same no. places and no, no. different Always countries? Different. Don't they laugh at different things? Yeah. And well, I don't, I don't even know if you have to go that far. I think just a, a matinee audience and an evening audience, you can get just completely different reactions. And, and sometimes it's you're wrong. It's really strange. I, I thought that you, you, you think mat, sometimes matinees are going to be just like, oh, they're going to be sleep and they're going to be tired, and sometimes they're the best. It's the opposite. Shows. Sometimes yeah. it huh. depends. Saturday night, you'd think that Saturday night would be oh, a yeah. great night to work for people. They went out to dinner. <clears throat> yeah, they all they all had wine oh, and they're asleep. Oh, they're <laughs> asleep. <laughs> yeah. I do find it with what Judy was saying. I have learned so much in the last three years uh, uh, from musicians. Ah. And I'm not a musical person. You know, you never want to hear me sing <laughs> badly or well. Oh. Uh, but now I'm very big in the musical theater. Surprise. <laughs> But I've learned so much from dancers and so much from musicians. Mario and I did uh, The Boys from Syracuse um, a number of years ago. At we Encore. Used to, we used to stand in the wings and watch those dancers and cry. Just cry. Remember? We would they just were cry. We, tears in our eyes. These, and these were ensemble. These were not your, your principal. They were just so beautiful. Amazing. So gorgeous. Their rhythm. They could learn something. They learned something in five minutes. They'd put it in their heads. You know me. I'm writing. Right, right. I'm writing down. Kick <laughs> phenomenal. Left. It's a phenomenal. It's a very different wave in their brain. Yes. And then to hear someone like Debbie Gravett and 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 uh, Debbie Gravett and Rebecca Lucas Lucas doing like, singing. You guys are crazy. Oh. Brought down, right the, down house. the house. We're back there sobbing. That we was had, an amazing experience. It was an amazing experience. That really was. But I learned so much but about you. comedy from musicians. You cannot miss the beat. You mm -hmm. have to say it. Mm -hmm. I'm well, doing it is here, musical. I think it's comedy musical. is musical. If you, if I, right now doing Hairspray, there's a bit that I'm doing at the very end of the show. If I miss one second of that beat, the joke is gone. Which one? Yeah. It's, it's something we've added. Oh, it's well, a, it's I don't a, know anything it's, about it's, it. It's, yeah, <laughs> it's the very last moment when Prudy meets seaweed for the very yes, first yes. time. We've added something. I'm not oh, going to give it away. I don't, because I'm just going to come uh, it's, a, it. it's bills, you see. And if I miss it for one second, that laugh is not going to be as big. And that's a music thing. It, it's also yeah, pitch. Totally. I find, like in a joke, if, I, if there's a certain word that I shout out or yell out or yell, but if it doesn't reach that pitch, I don't get... Mm -hmm. the, the laugh isn't as big. So it's intonation, it's like, well, pitch, it's rhythm. It's definitely pitch. It's very For musical. me, it's a yes. lot of pitch. Uh, Have you ever gone, Yeah, too. he did it. First chest pounder I here. My chest. The first Celine. <laughs> <laughs> Do you ever have that moment where you, where you, 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 for some reason, you go a little crazy and you, and you put a total opposite spin on a joke just to see what'll happen? And sometimes it kills. Yeah, yeah. And sure. you, it's inexplicable, and you never, you'll never find it again. Yeah. You'll have to go hunting again, you know, yeah. freehand. That's odd, but that's like. 
then it's like it's half dance and half sport because you don't, you know, you're getting something from the audience that you're throwing back that you didn't expect it and they don't expect it and then, oh, you got to laugh yeah. there, but you oh, can't yeah. rebuild that again. You I, can't count they on say that. It is said that there's only one right way to get a laugh in, 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 a, Not true. in plays. I, Not I mean, true. I've heard that said, but, but you I don't can. You can, you, can take, yeah. you can take a, a left turn and find something totally new and surprise yourself. That's right. Absolutely. I read a review uh, of the play you're in. It's, it was said that you have this great facility for the punchline. And really? that you can turn a punchline into a home run. It's a very good review. I did not know there were any punchlines in, ch- in this show, so I'm sorry well, you told me that. Yeah. Now, this <laughs> really throws me. That's the other thing. <laughs> well, but isn't, but <laughs> don't ever let anybody in the audience come up to you and say, you know that moment when you... Oh, yeah. it's no. dead, it's oh, gone. Oh, so you don't know that you have uh, some punchlines no. that you... Well, it's not, first of all, it's not, not a comedy anyway, really. I mean, right, it's, right, it's, but you it's, are it's a, a family uh, drama. A character that has comic a little bigger than the rest of the cast. You are. Yes. Yours is. And what do you do? You study how to do a no. punchline, or this is no, intuitive. I'm, I I know from rehearsal that I'm on the right track, or else the director tells you you're not on the right track. And then you just play the play. You you play with the other characters, and you play off the audience to some extent. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this particular piece, we don't play off the audience a ton, but when they're having a good time, we have a better time. It's really, that's Back the bottom line. Forth. But uh, it's really, it's just how the scene is going. Just the scene plays itself. And, uh, then you do have to listen to the audience. You have to have that other ear circle yeah. back here somewhere because you have to ride the laughs. If you're doing a comedy, you have to know when to come in with the next line. And you, I've been thrown with the piece that I'm doing right now again and again because... They keep surprising me where they're laughing. Because I, I, it's different all it the time. It is. It's always different. And sometimes if we have people who know music out there, they laugh in different places oh. than just people who are just coming to yes. this, you know, uninformed. And, it, and I'm, I'm, I'm really having to learn how to modulate this whole thing. It's a process. Wait, wait, we're talking about audiences. It, it, I was wondering if it's cathartic in some way for an audience to hear material like yours, which is sometimes very naughty. Yes, You it do is the naughty, naughty stuff, you do I the do naughty not. bits. Yep. And <laughs> if you are, in a certain sense, saying and up there on the stage things that we in the audience might think or feel, but we, we can't, and if, have you ever thought about, or do you feel a reaction between when you and the audience? When it's naughty. When you're doing the naughty stuff? Well, you know what? That's why I call the show Laugh For to keep yes. away the squeamish. Um, <laughs> because I don't want people thinking I'm going to be singing Joan Baez tunes. So I... I <laughs> We're warned. Well, that could be funny, Mario. Mario. Oh, that that would be funny. Yeah, an evening with Mario Cantone. And now some hymns. <laughs> so, you know. No, it won't be that. But. No, but that's why I call it that. But... I was saying about matinees, I was like, I told Showtime producers, I said, it's not a matinee show, you're crazy to do it. People are going to be walking, I have 80-year-old women that wait for me at the stage show that have come back, that are like, (laughs) they're laughing, they're some of the best shows of the matinees. And I'll, you know, comment on it too, I'm like, I can't believe you're a matinee audience, and I'll, like, there's a row of ladies, and I'll go, (laughs) ladies okay, because I just (laughs) talked about Michael Jackson's nose, and and saying it looked like something in particular, but, you know, I'm always like, are you all right? Yeah, because it's weird, (laughs) it's weird, but, but it's, I'm completely shocked that they, uh, it's almost like, but then yet, then I do like Judy Garland, and, 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 you know, like, some of the old movie stars, and, and, and they know the references that I'm talking about, but yet I become their guilty little pleasure, too. Well, that's what I thought. I thought there's the guilty little pleasure yeah, absolutely. that you can go and laugh, absolutely, and then go. I mean, I yeah. wouldn't say that. Yeah. That's so awful. But you know, you're in there giggling. 
yes. <laughs> like, I don't have the courage to say that. <laughs> yeah, I but think so. I do think with humor, I, comedy is such a complicated and fascinating subject uh, to me anyway. It's so interesting that I think one of the reasons we can allow ourselves also to laugh at the naughty bits or things that, again, you know, raucous or sometimes even very controversial or whatever, sometimes it's... It, 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 it does, does depend on the person who is saying it. There are people who are out there who are very funny, brilliant maybe even, but if we don't like them, yeah. we're not going to accept it. Uh. We like Mario because we know Mario is basically a good Italian boy <laughs> who really loves his family. We know that. We, we know it from the minute he walks on stage. We know we're in the presence of someone who really does have a good heart. There are comics out there who, you, they walk on that stage and you actually know they're mean. They're mean people. And it, it ain't funny. It's funny for a second and then we turn off. And I think that's something that's very important to humor. If we really ultimately don't like you because audiences are, you know, we don't like to say this, I think, because a lot of times you like to blame an audience. You know, oh, what do they know? They're stupid, whatever. <laughs> Audiences are, you know what? They are like children and, and, and animals. They know. <laughs> they, they know. They do know. They do know. <laughs> and a bad person, even, I'm sorry, with humor particularly, you, you'll turn off. Well, you've brought up the subject, of course, of the underlying hostility that exists in much humor. Mm -hmm. Many people have talked about that. Do yeah. you feel that humor is fueled by anger? Well, mine is, yeah. I have a lot of anger, I think. But the, but the, the other side, and I said this last night to my stage manager, you know, inside I'm a raging bitch, but I can't do that to people. I can't do that to people I work with. I feel too bad. I can't. I'm not like, get me that. I can't do it. I just can't. I will not slap my dresser. Um, I, I can't <laughs> out. I, instead, like, I play on it. So you've channeled I, you know, it. I goof around. Like, I'm like, you know, I'm like, I'm like, I'll come in and like, do you want some tea? Do you want the throat comfort or the royal vitality? I'm like, don't you know what I want? I want the royal vitality! You know? But I'm goofing around. But I'm, I can't be mean. I can, I, and I feel like I want to be sometimes so bad. But I think I get it out on stage. Get it, I think, you know. Well, you know. then let's go back a, a little bit into our past. Let's go to the past. Does it help to have, for example, an odd family? Does this fuel? <laughs> it hurt. Yeah. Does that to fuel your comic? I think it helps. Does that help? I think it helps. It has helped me. Oh, yes. Uh, hey, boy, my family is completely useless. I mean, they were wonderful, and they, they were all very funny. But, oh, they but, were funny. Oh, they were okay, very so. funny. But but I, I don't. There was nothing particularly funny about them. They're, I mean, they're not quotable. I mean. But I mean, do you? Was there something in there in their odd, different personalities that you began to see eccentric behavior? No, my sister taught me how to write jokes. She was three three years older than me, and she just had this. <laughs> We were watching the Disneyland show. It was uh, the Walt Disney show. It used to be called Disneyland. Sweet. And the uh, and it comes on. And the, the sponsor is Peter Pan Peanut Butter. And I made some comment about you know well it's just Peter Pan it's a Disney movie called Peter, and the Peanut Butter. This I wonder if there's a thing. You know I was six and she's nine and she goes yeah next week it's Alice in Wonderland cheese. <laughs> And that was the first time I saw anyone write a joke before my very... It wasn't a great joke, obviously. But, 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 <laughs> but, but it was still... I said, Trying. I said, oh, look at what you did there. Yeah. So, you know, but as far as, you know, fodder for Fo material... Not fodder for material. Not good. I, Your family I, they was write, fodder for material. My family writes for me and they don't even know it. <laughs> okay, so you have... 
Because I've, I've heard it's that a big part of people it. say that, uh, you know, if you want to be a writer, you have to pray that you come from a dysfunctional family so you'll have good material. Otherwise, I don't know is that true for true comedians? For me. Do you need... Uh, my father is a pediatrician in Phoenix, Arizona, oh. and a very funny man. Oh, he's yeah. funny. Okay. My father and my uncle both were singing waiters in the Catskills. Oh. <laughs> they, no they channeled way. all of that wow. stuff into, into, into their <laughs> practices. You know, my father will wear the funny shoes and... And you know, oh, okay, wow. so you had a, you, you were in tune with a little of that humor. It's well, it's really swell. Totally. Yeah, yeah. Two members of the Avon Comedy Four. Oh, okay. Wow. So you, you could hear the <laughs> rhythm. <laughs> the, did great. you hear the we rhythm of humor? Are, I was just going to ask Michael, are you good in math? Oh, God. No. 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 Because no. so many of my musician friends, because music is very mathematical, mathematical, are very good in math, and they did not come from dysfunctional type families, but they're very funny. And when you said, oh, my sister wrote a joke, yeah. I was just curious to know if they had a sort of structure in their head, because I do have friends who are very funny, not coming from, you know, an anger-based right. kind of situation, and yet they're quite funny, but they're very structured in their thinking, and they're very mathematical. But I so think there's a lot of funny people that don't come from the anger-based thing. Okay, yeah. so it's not oh, yeah, it's a, me, it's I'm a generalization that... But I suck in math. I'm terrible. Oh, in I'm math. terrible in math too. Oh. But but I'm like but I'm saying, there math. are people who are very funny, who are quite sane, and also very good in math, and they're very good at writing jokes. Yeah, because it's I thought most comedians structure. It's that structure. Yeah. I mean, Jerry Seinfeld writes his stuff out. It's it's written. I mean, yeah. it's it's and and he's probably good in math. I bet. We'll have to find out. We will. We'll be right back. <laughs> I came from also the sort of the anger base. I don't know if it's also just anger so much as a combination of. Not fitting in mm -hmm. and being angry at not fitting in and being a little angry too because every comic I've ever met wants to be somebody, mm -hmm. you know, or wants to be something. And they have this kind of push-pull relationship with the world, mm. which is, you know, I want something, I'm not quite getting it. I want something, I'm not quite getting it, so I'm going to have to figure out a way in, kind of. Because Mario and I have talked about this. What would we be doing? Oh, if I was just an actor, I think I, I would have been screwed. If I was just an right. actor. And I started out as just an actor, but, but I also did stand-up when I was really young. But I don't know, I, I, just, I knew that's what I, I wanted to do. And I knew I wanted to do it, and I loved doing it, and I also knew that's your way in. It also but you works were good against at it you. Too. It, also, I mean, it also works against you. Because then they think you're just that one thing. Yeah, we've had to yeah. battle that right, for right, a long right. time. So but in this culture now, don't, aren't the people who are able to write their own material, who do stand up, finding, I mean, they're the ones that are, that are fronting uh, sitcoms and things, you know? I mean, that's where it's coming from, isn't it? Yeah, but, yeah. But, but not, if you but, want, but not, not me. Oh. <laughs> if you want to sit down and write, if you can sit well, down HBO. and write a screenplay, yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, there's a lot of comics that can, like, you can, you can write, you right. can you, you write a lot, you, write. and you compose That's, music, I'm no, so, so I, this is very interesting, does I that, I can't write a screenplay or a sitcom, he writes I don't and songs and yeah, screenplays, but most of the, I mean, the screenplays that have my name on it are, were largely improvised anyway, uh, I, wrote, I wrote one, I wrote a film called uh, The Big Picture with Chris Gast, which mm -hmm. is Christopher's first film. That's the only formal screenplay I ever wrote. Everything else is just and then you did the music. sketches and bits and you stuff. You wrote a whole lot of songs. Yes, always the have. And you always have. Always have, yes. I actually wrote a screenplay with a friend of mine, Paul Coates, who's actually a manager now for many London actors who are like, big deal. Uh, we wrote a, a screenplay, which I, I, I don't know, I still think it's funny, called Dog Food. 
Um, uh, <laughs> you gotta laugh. Uh, but anyway, um, it was interesting because it, we, um, we sent it to DreamWorks. This was a number of years ago. And they sent us back, and I, I always respected them, a very detailed account of what was really good with the screenplay and what was not working. And I was so respectful of that that they really took the time. I mean, you know, you know dog food, Julie Halston, <laughs> Paul Coates, what? But we got a real, and it was so helpful to me. Just Good for them. Yeah, for the structure, what they said worked. And it, again, I never wrote another screenplay after that, but <laughs> I, I learned a lot from my own new bits and my new comedy, the structure and stuff like that. And it was, it was very helpful. And, you know, it helped me think that, you know, again, I'll do it. Well, there are people who work at kind of at a mid-level or low le lower level at any big production outfit or studio, and they're very good at what they do. Yes. And their job is to find, well, their job is to get a scoop, is to find something amazing that's going to set them up, it's going to put them, it's going to kick them upstairs. And they do it by being serious about what they do and being smart at it. People who read novels and cover them. Right. Uh, some, there's some amazing writing in the coverage. Yes. Very perceptive stuff about, and those are smart people, and they're going to they're going to do something, or else they'll do something else. But you know, it was just I was just very <laughs> grateful. Yeah. Because it was my first ever attempt at this. I mean, you know, we just did this at a, as a lark. I was out in L.A. Da, 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 what are you doing? You know, you're sitting in a pool. I'm going to throw myself <laughs> off the sign any minute if I don't get something. Got a guest spot, but in the meantime, I had to hang around. You know, when you're hanging around for things. And I learned so much. It was great. I did the same thing years ago at, at a same kind of a period in L.A. Oh. A friend of mine, another actor, we wrote a two-part all in the family, so that tells you how long ago it was. And we found a way to get it submitted, and they don't read scripts from outside. They never do, but they read this thing, and they did the same thing. They were really helpful. And we, we both got jobs, and we never, I mean, exactly. they never wrote anything yeah. again, but it, but it was a wonderful experience in the way we were both actors. So we, we improvised the stuff, and then we formalized it, and, and I, I was really proud of it. But Me too. I still think dog food is fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> I really do. Okay, Bring it stop back. pitching the dog, I know, food, get back. dog food. I'd like to ask where the impulse to be funny comes from, for example. Ah, uh, boy, I must change circumstance to circumstance. I, I always found it valuable when uh, in gym class because I wasn't particularly good at anything. And, uh, you know, me and the other guys who weren't particularly good at anything would sit around and I would make them laugh. And some of them would make me laugh, too. And I would just, I did the entire uh, Tom Lehrer repertoire for them. Does everybody know Tom Lehrer? Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, yes. Funniest songwriter who ever lived. Still alive. Doesn't work anymore. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, that's, that was my so impulse. So it was deflecting was be, off of the sports? Well, it was just, that's irrelevant. Too. Yeah. You know, it's we here. We're having a good time here. They're losing. We're having a good time here. <laughs> I was the class cootie, so I had to do something quick to. Uh, oh. So, <laughs> I that's uh, I could I was voted you know most humorous in my when you were in school mm -hmm. in grammar school high school you mean both places both places. <laughs> so why where did that, that and I sang and so I and then when I everything was fine when I sang and when I would. If I had a little quip or something, which I don't even do anymore. I, I can't even come out with a quip. a quip. Well, what was it that made you select that method to be funny? I have no idea. Well, I guess it must have worked. It must have worked <laughs> once, and so you I did it again. I don't know. You liked the response. Sure, sure. But I guess that everybody had, chooses to be funny. But you have a little theatrical thing. You know, you're a, uh, I'm Sarah Bernhardt at her home. 
Sarah Hartburn. Everything was, oh, I did it. It's my turn. Yeah, okay. I should have done hey, this instead. <laughs> yes, except when you're wearing the mic up here, you can't do that. It's um, your wig. <laughs> uh, but so but at young, very young, this yeah, impulse sure, came. Yeah. But you don't know from where. Julie, do you know I where came the from impulse? came for me because okay. I was also, I mean, it's such a cliche, but, you know, the comic crying mm. inside. But I had no friends. I was you know, painfully shy, very skinny, olive oil looking kind of girl, didn't have any friends. And there was a girl in my third grade named Judy King, and she had a lot of friends, and she was funny. Mm -hmm. And she was mouthy. She also got in trouble a lot, but she was mouthy. And I just thought, wow, that's a way to get friends. I mean, I actually made a mm -hmm. very conscious decision, and I remember it very well. <laughs> I, was, I was like seven years old. Mm -hmm. And um, I started sort of getting mouthy. And it, you know, it's so, to me, it's very moving. Mm -hmm. I see kids do it. You actually can see the wheels turning in a kid when they make a decision to take that fearless step. It's a very brave act. Mm -hmm. and it's so moving to me to see a kid say, I'm going to change the way I'm, you know, I had no friends. Mm -hmm. And my sister had no interest in me. So it was really, you know, me and my mother and Rainbow the cat, and I knew enough that that was not a way to get through life. And Judy King, and I just, and I remember my first laugh, and I got in trouble, and I got a friend out of it. Hmm. Donna Sobieski, and I just was so excited <laughs> that I got a friend, and I, you know what I mean? And I thought, okay. So it is a mechanism. Well, mine was the sports use. thing, too. I mean, well, first of all, I think if you go way back, it was to trying to get attention from my mother and trying to make her laugh and, and my family and entertaining them. Were there you know, a lot of children? Them. So you they were, to no, get they, they, were, they were five of us all together, but okay. my mother was kind of, you know, detached emotionally. And so you so had to... She basically scared the shit out of me. But that's um, what mothers are supposed to do. <laughs> but, uh, I, you know, I try, you, know you, you, you try to get that attention. And then in school, I, you know, I wasn't, I, I was the big class fag, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't. I didn't play sports. I would, I would get made fun but of. did you use? So it was oh, they made fun of you. Oh, brutal. Yeah. Okay, in so junior high. And then in high school, it all shifted because I was like, look what I can do, you bastards. Okay. Look what I can do. And then I, would, I became like this thing in high school that, my God, he, I would pick my roles. I'm playing that one. <laughs> spring musical. Don't right. tell me. <laughs> and I was much more difficult in high school than I am now. <laughs> I believe you. I believe you. You've matured. <laughs> the edges are softening. Yeah. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> well, no, I mean, humor, it's interesting where humor, this impulse to you know, yeah. well, it's all make people I laugh. think we've decided it's all about empowerment to some extent. Yeah. It oh, made yeah. us all feel better. It made us all feel stronger. Mm -hmm. Also, if you're funny and you're dealing with someone who's not that bright but has a few things that you'd like to point out to them, you can point them all out to them and they'll laugh and not hit you. <laughs> and they'll maybe actually be improved. I think it's a very benign thing. Yeah. Also, when you make people laugh, it makes them live longer. They, that's right. They say that. Total, no, they say that's that. It's good, it's good for absolutely something. True. Well, I wonder if comedians are quicker witted than dramatic actors. We won't tell them we're discussing this. <laughs> but you is wonder it if they're what? Dramatic actors. What do you mean? What? what? Yeah. <laughs> Let's start again. Quicker. Well, maybe not. <laughs> it was a theory I had. That maybe you, that comedians are quicker mentally, listening more, responding, rather than actors who are accustomed and trained to be dramatic actors. It depends on who the dramatic actor is. Yeah. There's some very quick so there, dramatic there actors. Are. Yeah. There are. Okay, so that, that my are, theory that, is that no good. I, I thought you were quick, quicker witted. It might be needier. 
need it. That's another okay. idea. Oh, just okay. throwing yeah. out. Yes, yes, we're yeah. just you exploring know, this. Uh, <laughs> I think okay. you're right, Mario. And this is, I know some dramatic actors who are as smart as they come. Yes. Oh, I wouldn't. Okay. And quick. I, yeah, and quick. Okay. I wouldn't. Uh, um, why say do that they? I still never understood why. Uh, a lot of dramatic actors or historically have said that comedy is so much harder that they can't they yes. seem to feel that they can't do, do it. I having trouble doing and it. I don't think I think it's I don't think it's harder. You don't think it's hard. Well, what's I, that I, that famous actor's joke who the actors dying in bed dying is easy. Comedy's hard. Comedy's hard. I mean uh, I don't know. I think that's just a confession of uh, of inadequacy. Oh, okay. <laughs> 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 and it's not it's not a big deal. I mean, geez, I I mean I so Albert Finney do stuff I'll never be able to do, yeah. you know. I don't I'm not crying myself to sleep over it, but I'll do what I can do, you know. Okay. I don't. I have no idea. It's much harder if you have no facility for comedy right. mm -hmm. than it is much harder. If you're but, a literalist, you know, I ain't never going to play head of gabbler. <laughs> you know. so, well, no. What? You might. I you might. Would. And I think I actually could bring something. But, but, <laughs> the, the, but the fact is, you know, I but mean... they might laugh at you as soon as you came might, out on stage. But it might be necessary. It <laughs> <laughs> might have been really a laugh riot. Um, but, you know, I think it, for people who really don't have that kind of sensibility, it probably is the hardest thing in the world. But if you are that way, it, it's not that difficult. Well, what about the theory that it's really the same job, regardless of whether you're doing comedy or drama? Yeah. I'm talking about somebody else's words now, not talking about your crafted stage piece that you made up. But if you're doing a comedy one night and you're doing a repertory and you're doing, and you're doing a drama the next night, it's still the same job. It's to find out what your character is after and to go after it. That's the whole acting boiled down anyway. Uh, and... I think with comedy, you maybe listen to the audience a little bit more. But we just said you need rhythm. You have to have. You have to have rhythm for drama too. You really no. You have to have rhythm for drama. Did anybody see um, um, uh, Eddie Izzard do oh, yes. uh, Joe Egg <laughs> yes, last yes. year? Yes. Yes. It was a phenomenal yes. performance. Yes. Yes. Very, very funny and heartbreaking. Heartbreak. And didn't it, it didn't not work as a drama for one second? But it could it be the other way? Could it be a dramatic actor who tries to do comedy? I wonder it if they would on have the, it that. Who knew that Leslie Nielsen was funny until somebody cast him in Airplane? Yeah, no, that yeah. might be a well, bad dramatic yeah, actor. That might be harder. If, 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 if they're a dramatic actor. Yeah, well, maybe that's why heroes? they say it's harder. I mean, who do you admire in the comic world? Uh, who, I, well, when I was I mean, I loved Lily Tomlin. I, I loved uh, Robert Klein. I lived for him. Um, Steve Martin and, and, and Richard Pryor. Those were my big four yeah. when I was young. Those were, the, and you know, and... And um, and then today, you know, I, I mean, I, I so admire your troop, Christopher oh. and you and mm. all you guys. Yeah, that's just <laughs> stunning. I actually work. just watched uh, Spinal Tap just oh, recently again. And, you know, I've seen it six, seven times, you know, and I thought, oh, you know. Because, you know, you come home from the theater, you can't quite fall asleep, and I... So you watch my movie and you started laughing. No, on a three. No, I'm very flattered. No, darling, I started laughing. They have Ambien now too, you know. In case I'm not on. I just was so engaged once again. I just found myself laughing, 
And I couldn't get to sleep because I was laughing so hard and I was still there. And I, then I had to take the Ambien. Um, <laughs> but it was, you know, it really, oh, you thanks. are so brilliant and so good. And it's so real. And that's what makes... It really is. The company and, and mm -hmm. you, particularly, I think you... Well, I'm actually breaking you out of the company <laughs> because I love them all. But uh, you're so committed. It is 110% mm -hmm. that you're really believing. You said it. What do, what do I want from this? What do I want from this situation? What do I want from that other person? Yeah. You just you said know. something good, that comedy takes that kind of commitment for it to work. Yeah, you can't absolutely. be wishy-washy no, about it. You cannot go. That's go why clowns away. aren't funny. Right. Clowning is not That's, funny. Yes, comedy explain is, comedy that. Is well, because clowning is, is, is self-consciously. It's like, oh, here comes the funny people. And of course, you know, 10 minutes ago, they were just hungover old men. Right. And now they're just wearing white face and it's not funny. But, uh, and because they're no, clowning they're and emoting, funny. but comedy, I mean, uh, even, listen, there's, uh, Laurel and Hardy were funny, Abbott and Costello weren't funny. This is just me, obviously, my opinion. Because Lou Costello, there was never a second he wasn't pumping on all, just desperate one of our laughs. Stan Laurel, on the other hand, was this completely real person. There really was this man of an I, with an IQ of about nine who was trying to do this incredibly hard thing. And you rooted for and it. Was, that made me laugh because it was completely real to him. You know, I, I, I think that, uh, I, I think if it's not real, it's, it's not. So if it's mockery of a character. Yeah, exactly. Then the, it, well, then, it's, it can then be, you can get a couple laughs and then it's kind of tiresome. Yeah. But if something, if there's a performance that from start to finish you completely believe it, mm -hmm. uh, as outlandish as it might be, then that's a good comedy performance to me. There are, I, what are the three C's? Is there clarity, confidence, and Cookie. commitment for Cookie's comedy? Cookie's funny. Well, I'm sorry? No. Cookie. Never mind. Oh, Cookie. Yeah. I was but thinking Chianti. Yes. Was that the Sunshine Boys? It was, if it's got a K yeah, yeah, in it, it's funny. Clarity, confidence, funny. Right, right. commitment. But those are very true. The other thing about comedy is that you, we have to hear it. You know, it's also, yeah, and you have to see it. So whenever, you know, you do your own show or comedy bit or whatever, you always hear comic actors say, bring the lights up, bring the lights up. It's very vaudeville. One other scene, cold for comedy. Cold for comedy, oh, there you go. The audience cold for comedy. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Well, what does that mean, cold? Well, the audience has want, to be cool. Yeah, if the, if, if, the, if the house is too hot, people but, will not laugh. What? True. Sure. It's yeah. really no, true. You know what Letterman never, does. I mean, he really makes it a deep, deep for you. I never, you yeah. cannot have before. people that are sweating. They don't <coughs> laugh? No, they don't go to sleep. They're hot. It's even not great for laugh. drama, I it, find, a hot No. House, you know, it's well, Joan Crawford, like just said, at 58 degrees because it kept her skin tight. It was another reason. <laughs> but, <still. laughs> but if we yeah, can't hear it and we can't see it, we're not going to laugh. Yeah. No, no, you, you don't hear it. You don't, certainly don't laugh, and you can't see it. But I didn't understand the part about, uh, what did you say, courage or... Well, uh, clarity. Clarity. So we have right. to hear it. Okay. Uh, um, commitment. Commitment. So it's that 100% kind of thing. Okay. And confidence. And confidence, that particularly, we know this from the stand-up world, the minute you smell someone's uh, nervousness or whatever, so, oh. you're done. Yeah. So what do you do if a little perspiration <laughs> comes? Well, if you yes. jump it around, you can get away with a little sweat. Okay, yeah. But if you're standing if it's still... flop sweat, that's it's, not good. Yeah, it's, not, it's not good. If they sense you're afraid, they don't... Yeah. Don't, because the audience becomes uncomfortable for you. Yeah. You really have to get up there and not care. You have you know, to care, but you have to not care. Flop sweat is always 58 degrees. Everybody know that? <laughs> no. It's true, yes. <laughs> Audience is nice and cool, but yeah, you're yeah, yeah, 58 you're, degrees you're, up here. Yeah. I mean, you can turn it into something. If you are nervous or whatever, I have seen 
uh, comics and comedians right. certainly turn their nervousness into a persona. Yeah, sure. You know, uh, and a confident persona, you know, it's a, well, listen, Woody Allen certainly made a career right, out right, of it. Right, right, right. Uh, but that's a very confident act. It well, was a confident act years ago. Yeah. Fearlessness impresses you right away. And then it's like, okay, go ahead. But take you can me. relax. Yeah. The audience yeah. makes me feels laugh. confident, and so we dare to rest. Right. Well, tell me a little bit about your backgrounds before. What did you do before you, you became funny <laughs> professionally? Uh, uh, well, I actually didn't, was not interested in stand-up at all. Uh, it came out of, I was working on Wall Street. I was um, a research manager for an investment council firm, and I always wanted to be an actress. I studied uh, drama uh, at, in college, and I came out uh, to here to New York, and uh, I got a commercial for solo detergent, cleans as well as conditions. And, um, and I thought, oh, well, I'm on my way. I'm going to be a big star, you know? And that was one year of commercials, and then nobody wanted to know me. And uh, I was married. I was poor. I was struggling. It was a nightmare. And I had to get a job. Do you believe it? Yeah. And... Um, so I took this job on Wall Street, and I thought, well, I'll just work there for a year. And uh, it was the 80s. There was money to be made. So I thought, well, I'll just do it for two years. Because I was still sending resumes. You know, theater went, well, they could care less about me. And I met Charles Bush <coughs> in 1983, and that sort of started this whole thing. But I actually stayed on Wall Street while I was doing Vampire Lesbians of Sodom because I wanted to be vested in the pension plan because when you're lower middle class, you need the profit sharing. So I was literally working two different lives. Oh, and what happened was, and it really is still to this day so fascinating to me, somebody did an article about our company and it appeared in the, uh, the Times or the People, it was something. And my boss came in and said, is this you? <laughs> Are you a vampire lesbian? <laughs> he said, I've just recommended you for the MBA program. <laughs> I thought you were going to be a chartered financial analyst. And I said, I can't add or subtract. What are you talking about? And he said, you know, we've invested in you. Oh, you know, this was, a, it was really a oh, scary moment. Gosh. And I called Charles, and I said, get the wigs ready. I'm leaving. <laughs> uh, October 1987, the market crashed. Right. Oh. I went out, yes. oh. like right on a banana peel. Oh. So literally, it was a oh. wild thing. Oh. But I had this double life for like six years. Oh, gosh. But you know what? The money, dare I say, helped me yeah. become an actress because I never did have to you know, work that waitress shift or, right. you know what I mean? So it was a very circuitous, strange route, but it did help me. Mm. What did you do, Michael, before you discovered your talent? <coughs> oh, I don't remember back that far. <laughs> um, I know I always want, I, I, my, when I was, I think, 11 or 12 years old, my father took me to see um, Stanley Holloway's one-man show. Oh. Stanley Holloway was, of course, My Fair Lady. Uh, he did this one-man show of music hall songs, which is, who was his background. And I just thought it was the most amazing thing. I said, that looks like the best job in the world, and that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to, you know, to do that kind of thing. So uh, all the rest of high school and everything, I did plays in high school, and I played guitar, and I wrote songs and everything. And uh, I went to uh, Carnegie 
Mellon. Mm -hmm. at, at that time, it was called Carnegie Tech for one year, and then I came uh, here to, New, to uh, NYU, did two years at NYU, and then I went out to L.A., and I started working with this group called The Credibility Gap, which was David Lander, who later became my partner, Laverna Shirley, and Harry Shearer, of course, a satirist and member of, the, mm. member of Spinal Tap and that gang. Mm. Um, and that's, and we, we, were, uh, we did news on the radio. We did satirical news on the radio, and that's, that's what we did. That's where I kind of learned how to write sketches and, oh, and uh, we'd write songs. We'd, you know, it was rip and read. We'd go up to the, the they had a newswire there and we'd rip a story off and we'd read it and then we'd make fun of it in some way, either a sketch or a song or whatever. And that's what we did and we kind of evolved that into a stage act. And then eventually I started getting TV work and then I, that's kind of what I did, and, you know. You said you were funny, I know, in high school, but what did you do anything between... High school, and, well, I went to college, <clears throat> I went to Emerson College, and there was a group called the Emerson Comedy Workshop that uh, Dennis Leary was one of the, the heads of, and I got in there my freshman year. We were like a sketch comedy troupe, and it was like the hottest thing on campus at the time. And I got in there my freshman year, and that was, that's, that was, that was a blast. See, uh, that was almost professional. It, I mean, wa it was. It was Dennis and Eddie Brill and Lauren Dombrowski, who's one of the executive producers on uh, Mad TV. And she, so it was a good group of people. And then <clears throat> I... Um, I did some stand-up in the Boston area here and there, and I think I waited tables for a month in Fan at Fan near Faneuil Hall, and it was like, I was ridiculous. I had personality, <laughs> but I couldn't hold a tray, so, <laughs> so uh, I was like, just give me the tip, because I'm really likable, so, <laughs> smash, so, so um, I, I, uh, then after college, I, I, I went to L.A. for nine months and sold truffles, chocolates. <laughs> yeah, I sold truffles. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know this about you. You didn't know? No, I did not know this in about the you. I thought I knew Center. everything about I swear to God, in the Beverly Center, it was called Truffles Chocolates. I went to L.A. for nine months with no car, no agent, no nothing. So I lived on 400 North Doheny, and I would walk to the Beverly Center, and I, and I would sell truffles, chocolates. And, and I'd be ridiculous. I, I would just, uh, please. But I love chocolate, too. But I was also, you know, I, the drizzle on it was like, Hepburn put this drizzle on it. She didn't even have to move. You know, so it was like, I'd just be ridiculous. So, and then, uh, and then I came to New York, and that company opened a chocolate shop in the Trump <laughs> Tower. Oh, no. So I, I transferred. <laughs> they transferred me from chocolatier to chocolatier. And, uh, uh, it was brutal. It was ridiculous. So, um, but I met this guy named David Sadie who sold jewelry in the Trump Tower. He, he passed away. Did you know David? Yes. yes. He was like my second father, this yes. guy. And I only worked for him for like six months. But I would, every time I'd go see him, he was like this man. Like, what do you, you know, I, 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 one time I tried to like rip off a, a tag. Uh, I was changing the price tag. And I used the scissors to get it off. And I scratched it. And I tried to cover it up. And he was like, what are you doing? I cannot trust you anymore. I cannot believe you did it to me. What are you doing? I cannot trust you. I was like, I'm sorry. But um, he was hilarious. He would like, you know, go get me my schnapps and I would get him like a shot of booze and he would like, he, he didn't give a shit, he would drink, I just said shit on his <laughs> So, um, so, but he was my, he was my, he was great and I'd go see, every time i go see him, he was like, take the jewelry, I'd take my sister, take some earrings for your beautiful sister, take it. and he would give me like 300 bucks, go buy yourself something nice. He was like, he was like this crazy guy. He was in a, he was, um, he was an Iraqi Jew. He escaped from Iraq when he was a kid, when he was a little. Really? He was an amazing guy. I loved him. I loved him. So I worked for him. That was my like, last job was, besides comedy. And then I said, David, I got I to gotta go do this. I, gotta, I, got, I think I got a movie. I got a movie called Beer that I was cut out of. And then, I, and, and then um, 
I just started doing stand-up. And a lot of stand-ups would like go, go and, and, you know, go on the road. And I would never do that. I, because I was afraid. I was like, oh, I'm going to go to Alabama and <laughs> lynch. No. <laughs> so, he talks funny. He's a little lot in the loafers. I was like, no. So I would do like a set at the improv, a set at Green Street, a set at Catch, and oh. I would collect my $50, $60 a set. And I do like, you know, six, seven sets on the weekend, and that's how I paid my rent. So, um, and, and then from there, I mean, I, I didn't have a job from, I guess, I, uh, yeah, 23 on, I didn't have a, another job. I just kept, I didn't look back, I just kept going. But, um, but I did, I sold chocolates and jewelry. I did the same thing, I'm, I'm sorry, Drew, I just did, I did the same thing, I, I got this booker one time and said, oh, I got you, I'm going to book you, you know, Alabama, Louisiana, I said, is there a synagogue or a gay bar <laughs> yeah. anywhere near those places? And they said, well, I don't think so. I said, it ain't happening. Okay. I'm going. Not my people. And that booker and I just had to seven times because I, that's the first thing I do whenever I'm in a, play, you know, a place mm -hmm. I don't know. I want the synagogue. I want the Jews. I want the gay boys. And I find out. I scout it out. And I send my flyers there. I mean, it's sad, but I have to do it. No, I never went on the road. I was afraid to go, I was afraid to, go to Princeton. I was afraid to go to Princeton. And I went, but it was kind of scary a little bit. Yeah, there was a, you know. No, we didn't do the road. No, no. Ann Arbor, Michigan, I did once. It was like, where am I? It was. And Toronto. Good night, never again. Although one of my favorite uh, uh, entertainers, Craig Russell, who was a brilliant drag queen, he was another huge influence on me. Uh, he did like many women, but he was from Toronto. Did you ever see Outrageous, that movie? Yes, Outrageous? yes, oh, yes, yeah. yes. He was a genius. I used to work with Spotlight when I was 19, and I, he would do Judy Garland and Carol Channing. He did like 20 women in one show. He had a show called Craig Russell, A Man and His Women on Theater East. He was genius. He was crazy. His opening night, he took all his gowns and he burnt them. And on his opening night. On his opening night, and my friend Harold, who wrote a lot of the lyrics for my for my one man show, he he was his press agent. And he had to run around and like buy new gowns for the guy. Oh. He was crazy, but he was genius. He was yes. really oh god, he was something else. Boy, he really was. Uh, they're all so disturbed. Why? <laughs> Just what I was thinking. <laughs> it's a good thing you can channel this you got into it. your act. You got it because you know because this is can. good. Yeah, I mean, and he he. There's he, all this nervous energy you have. I'm glad it's. Going to the yeah. stage. Yeah, it does. It does yeah, because I, I, it's hard for me to sit still. I've learned to sit still a little bit more. Yeah, that's good. She's like my therapist. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to be all right, Mario. It's going to be I've learned to be with myself a little bit more. Once I had a friend say to me, it's a good thing you're it. doing comedy because otherwise you would be arrested. Yeah. <laughs> and we, uh, we've talked about yeah, it. Yeah, I, I, I don't know what I would be doing. I, I don't know you what I You found your path. I you don't have to do anything else. Okay. You're set. Thank you, Pete. You're all right. <laughs> Judy, you're from Arizona originally. I was, uh, yeah, born and raised in the desert. Okay. Uh, Arizona. Desert and, baby. Uh, yeah, desert rat. <laughs> and um, <coughs> found my, uh, my métier uh, playing Queen Esther in the synagogue uh, production of uh, the... The, what do you call it? Story. I can't even remember. I'm, I'm a Jew. Queen Esther. Remember. Queen Esther. Queen Esther. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Say, bring Esther me my wine. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. So story. <laughs> uh, so we went from there uh, to UCLA, and I was in theater at UCLA with uh, a lot of wonderful, crazy people. And um, and, and there you, I was in LA. You know, I, I was. I started getting the, the trades. I, I I sort of would do this thing where I would. 
I would mark the moment that I was actually in professional show business. When I first went and bought my first uh, variety, I said, ah, now I'm in the business. And uh, eventually it got to the point where I had enough for an unemployment claim. <laughs> and I thought, ah, now I'm really in the really business. In the business. Right. And, I, and I remember calling my parents and telling them I was so proud I had enough for a claim. And my mother ran into the john and cried for a while. Oh, my no. child is on welfare. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I was really lucky. I never, this is hard to say, I never had to do anything else hmm. but what I do for a living. I mean, it's, I've had years where it's been not as good as other years, but I, I never had to wait a Because table. you went right into Charlie Brown. I did, I they, did. They I, found I got you? That. Yeah, well, I went to an open call. I didn't and have an agent got it, yet. Right. Uh, I had just gotten my equity card the summer before uh, at a theater in Anaheim that is now a church. In fact, it became hmm. a church right after I played it. Across <laughs> <laughs> from Disneyland. I, I closed a lot of theaters. I think around the city they should be worried that I'm here. Um, but... Um, yeah, I did Lucy Van Pelt, and I, I got it on the open call. And that was the sort of the beginning of, of my life. You know, it's not as exciting, but it's... How, how are you at auditions? You know, I, I always look upon auditions as an opportunity to get up and do something. You know, I've got an audience. Mm -hmm. So uh, you're I so healthy. Yes, I, I usually yes. enjoy it. <laughs> Watch this there are times when I enjoy it less. But <laughs> if you walk in the room and you see, if you can make somebody smile a little bit, then you, I feel comfortable. So you're good. But if they're auditions. sitting there and they're like, you know, <laughs> this at me, then I, 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 I get a little nervous. But how are you at auditions? I'm okay. You're okay at auditions. Okay. You don't I, have a John, John Lovitz told me the best thing about auditions because he books everything. I mean, he's just a funny guy, and everybody loves to use him. But he said, uh, he says, you know, I always say the same thing at the end of every audition. I say, well, think it over and let me know. <laughs> <laughs> think it over. And, and it's like, it's just, you're kind of stating the obvious yeah. in yeah. such a sweet way. And then he, and he, you leave on a laugh, you know. So That's I just, I'm like you. I just, I think of it as another opportunity to, you know. And sometimes it's impossible. Sometimes you get somebody who's just like not going to laugh no matter what you do because they hate actors anyway and <laughs> you're the 19th they've seen <laughs> since lunch. And, you know, but they're, they're even more fun because then you don't care. Then it's sort of like, well, I'm obviously not getting this. How can I, I make some fun of this, you know? So. This is very good. How about you? Are you uh, the same way? I've been a dreadful auditioner for many, many years. I would say only now... I'm enjoying it, and, and Mario, I think, can attest to this with comics, you know, I think we bring, do, bring a lot of pain and anger into the room, perhaps, but I think only now, because I am finding my stride mm -hmm. uh, and having some success and feeling better about things in life, uh, I'm enjoying mm -hmm. the whole process. But for many, many years, it was just painful, it was terrible, I was not good at it. Uh, it's a miracle that people have stuck with me. I just, I was like a queen baby child, you know, stamping and just, it was not good. It was not good. Um, now I'm enjoying it. I'm very much like what you're saying is, you know, I'm, I'm enjoying the process. I like it. You know what I mean? Hmm. I'm actually enjoying the situation. Well, Pia, now we come to you. I, uh, <laughs> I sucked at it, and I still suck and at so it. And so that's why you do your I own show. I am the worst. I can't, I mean, if, unless something's, luckily I've had uh, some great things that were written for me. Um, nothing major except Sex well, and the Love City. Well, Love Valor wasn't written for me. 
but I but I auditioned for that. But Joe Mantello saw me at Ca Caroline's, and 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 oh. before he was directing that, it was when he was in Angels in America, and when he did Love Valor, I went to see it, and he called me up and he said, "Wouldn't you be great in that role?" And I said, "Well, yeah, I'd love to do that role." He said, "Well." Nathan is leaving and, um, to do Birdcage, so I want you to come in. He spent an hour with me. It was like he nursed me in front of the Manhattan But those are good auditions when you get for some For an hour, yeah, well, but he's, you know, and then I left, and then I came back for another hour, and then they tortured me for a week and a half, and then they finally said, you, you got the role. But, you know, I mean, The Violet Hour, Richard Greenberg wrote me that part. He wrote me that. The Sex in the City, that was written, written for me. For, it was written I, for yeah, you? That, really? Michael Patrick King wrote me that. I, I, yeah. If I had an... Uh, I, I'm a horrible... I can't, and in the sitcom thing, I can't crack it. I've auditioned for a million sitcoms. I've never tested for one. I'm hellacious. I can't do it. I just can't do it. I'm more, I just can't do it. I auditioned for Sex in the, the City a million times. I, I would never be on that show. Unless Michael Patrick King wrote Bitsy Von Muffling. You will That's the reason we got on those shows. They you might liked, oh, they liked better what you did and then me. they I, wrote it for But I, I auditioned for Sex in the City a million times. Nothing. I know. And I, I just went in that one time. But I waited for him. I knew I was... I, the third year he was like, I, I wrote you something. I was like, okay. But I, there, was a, there was an audition, a musical audition that I, did, I auditioned for. And Paul, uh, Paul Gimignani, who was the musical director for uh, Assassins, who I know very well now. But I, he was... It was Wise Guys. That's the Stephen Sondheim thing, which is called Bounce now. Yeah. And I went in an audition for it when it was Wise Guys. I forgot the words. Three, to have to sing a ballad in front of a table with his three people yeah, yeah. is the most yeah. embarrassing, <laughs> uncomfortable, horrifying thing that you... Ugh, it's stupid. They're barbaric. They're a horrible <laughs> thing to have to do. It's like... And that's why... I, I, and it's not like I'm like, hey, I'm Mario Offer Only Cantone, because I'm not. But, uh, <laughs> but you know... But, you know, I, it's like I, I kind of wait. I'm, I, I just... I, I feel like if I, you give me the job, I can do it. But that audition for Wise Guys, I forgot the words to not a day goes by oh. 50 times. And five, by the third time I went, Paul, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I walked out. I walked uh, out. Uh, I, I was embarrassed. Yeah. I think it's the same reason why I hate rehearsals. I don't like showing anybody the work until I feel it's ready. Yeah. So they have to have your cast members around. And, and it's like... With during Assassins, I was like, Joe, can we have a close set when I do a monologue? It's close set, please. <laughs> Keep everybody out. It's embarrassing. You feel uncomfortable. I think well, that's it the is. bottom line. It's very naked. Oh, it's weird. The, uh, the audition, you're naked. Well, Not it, the that's, performance. that is rehearsal. But, but the rehearsal process, too. And you're you naked. have to be willing to kind of uh, expose yourself to uh, another human being. She's she really is. I'm not saying that I, I mean, I think. You're a healthy winner. 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 She's like, give me that cactus, I'll eat it. There's no rice tonight. Cactus is very good, actually. What do you do about stage fright? Anybody have any? Judy, do you ever have stage fright? Have you ever had stage fright? fleeting moments of it, but it's usually about, I'm very excited to be doing If I'm prepared, if I'm not prepared, so you don't then it's like, oh, what am I doing here? panic backstage? No. Anybody have panic before the, <laughs> the backstage? Uh, I have to say, just recently, uh, I've been in Hairspray now, maybe two and a half weeks. The fir very first night, because I'm not Miss Musical Comedy, mm -hmm. uh, the very first night, because Hairspray is such a fast-moving train. 
You know, it's not, it's not even like Gypsy, which is a huge musical, but Gypsy has a sort of, you know, darkness and languor to it. Hairspray, you just, you're, you're moving, moving, moving. There's 35 people coming at you, and if you don't know that dance, particularly at the end, you're going to be killed. <laughs> and I think my very first night, I wouldn't say panic, but there was a sort of otherworldly thing. I, you, there was a sort of, I mean, at one point I did sort of feel my stage manager kind of, kind of <laughs> pushing me, you, you know what I mean, a little bit. You know, get out there, get out there. <laughs> it was a little, it was a little like, you know, Mama Rose, you know. Marisa. Yeah, Marisha. Yeah, 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 yeah Marisa. Uh, because Marisha, you did hairspray, so, of yeah. course. Yeah. I mean, when you had to get into all that stuff, yeah. or, or, did you ever have a moment of nervousness saying, this is not... No, I just wanted it to be good, you know. Huh? It's just sort of, you, you, you just know, you, you can see two hours into the future. And you say, now, at the end of this two hours, am I going to be very happy with what I did, or am I going to be miserable? So you have no place? ritual that you do before you go out? There's no, no special... No, I observed a lot of rituals, and I, and I, I, you know, you fall into those little things, you know, you got the half half-finished Ricola that you find a little yep. nook, you know, <laughs> right backstage <laughs> to stick it, you know. A, but those things, I mean, I did watch uh, this, this uh, one, of the, one of the guys in the show, Serge, you know Serge. Yes. He, uh, he will knock the same piece of wood every, you know, it's like the Stations of the Cross, you know, he's got his thing going there. And it's like, I just can't remember things like that, you know. Uh, I, I don't think I've ever had terrible stage fright. I've often panicked at the, at the last moment thinking, well, I haven't warmed up enough. Oh. Or I haven't done, you know, my, you know, just my all that stuff, you know. And then, then you go out and you, you think you're going to be What's kind of... What's your t-t-t-t-t-t-t-t? Well, you know, just all those things. All the things that actors do. Now, brown cow. Facial And I have to do it. Especially for this show, I have to warm up. Because you talk the whole time. I don't. I hate warming up. I'm late. I'm so... And, and as far as stage fright goes, there are, I, don't you think there's different levels? I mean, like, the, when yeah. I, my first five years of stand-up, it, and I, when I had to do those weekends at the improv especially, like, Green Street was a music room. Upstairs at Green Street was, like, two R&B jazz performers and two comics. I was very relaxed in a music room, but when I had to follow comic after comic, oh. it was horrifying, oh. and I, oh, and I would either kick... Or, or kick ass, or I would die in the at the improv because it was a mainstream comedy room. It was so scary, and I would have debilitating nervousness where this buzz in my head would yeah. happen, and I would just fly through the material blindly and not even. It was it was horrible, and but then after that was five years of that, and then finally it, it kind of subsided. But as um, as far as uh, plays and musicals and Broadway, I, I get nervous, but it doesn't. Mess me up. What do you do for your throat when you have to talk? I got cords of steel, Pia. <laughs> um, <laughs> you got to talk. I mean, at least if you're somebody else on stage, I, I you're not having to speak the whole time or well, sing the whole time. My you partner Jerry yells at me every day: "Stay off the phone, don't talk," because mm -hmm. uh, I'm, I'm I should be on vocal rest now, but I can't. It's hard when my voice is rough during the week. I, I'll try. I'll, I I am more quiet during this run than any other run. I am, but so do you drink especially? I drink. Teas I drink the royal. The, the Royal Vitality Tea, the Yogi, or the uh, the Throat Comfort. I, I, I drink a lot of that. I do drink a lot. And, you know, a, a Ricola once in a while, you know, but those are just candy. I don't even know if they work. Do what they work? What about when you sing? I mean, if you get at all nervous... Hydrate, hydrate, hydrate. Yeah, yeah, hydrate, yeah, exactly. hydrate, hydrate. A lot of water. Okay, water, water, water. There's tons of it. And throat coat. I love that. Like throat it's coat? A, the moisturizer Ooh. spray. There's a thing oh. called mm -hmm. mouth coat. It oh. tastes like library paste, though. <laughs> I love also, it. I'm addicted to it. 
What is it? What is what it? It's a mouth coat, and it's a it's an oral hydrator, and you spritz it in your mouth, and I think it's, it's fantastic. It's a quench. It's a quench. <laughs> and you just have it. It's eleven dollars. It's at the Chateau Pharmacy. It's this fantastic. mouth coat. Mouth coat. All right. Mouth coat. Yes. Hmm. Because I, I think all singers have to have some special little, yes. and even people have to speak for a long period of time. I, I just going along with this idea though of panic and you know stage fright or whatever. I have noticed though that people who I think remain in the business and also flourish in the business, and I don't necessarily mean just big stars, but I mean people who do well in the business. Mm. I have noticed a pattern in the last couple of years that there are performers who enjoy the business, and then there are performers mm. who really love mm. being oh. on stage oh. and performing. Yeah. I have a lot of friends who are more than proficient, mm. but they just don't love it. Yeah. 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 I have to be on a stage. Right. Well, that's I the litmus do. test, have isn't it? Yeah. Is it? When, you, when you do a master class or you're, you're working with kids and they say, do I think I'd like to be in showbiz. You say, no, 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 no. no. Law school. There can be no question about it. You know, it has to be the, the only thing you want to do. Mm. Yeah. Well, that's what, this, is, this links up with stage fright, too. Uh, my, my wife was, was t talking to her daughter, who is n now a professional actress, and saying, it's that, it's that thing. If you're about to go on, and you'd rather do anything in the world but step on that stage, but once you step on that stage, there's no place you'd rather be. Exactly. And that's, that's, that's the what test. it is. That, that really is. is. Yeah. And if you just, you're out there, even if something in your life is collapsing, as it often will, yeah. going up in smoke, when you're on stage for those two hours, you're invulnerable. You're only vulnerable to, you know, the, the little screw-ups that happen on the stage or a lousy audience. I didn't mean to gesture to you when I said lousy audience. That's not what I meant. But, but still, you're hermetically sealed from the real, the real pain in the world. You yeah, can use you that are. real pain to make your story. And uh, there's that cool. doctor theater thing. How many times? I mean, p p you ask actors, are you like a long run? Uh, and I love long runs because I love the the vagaries, the ups and downs. I love the day that I show up at the theater and I feel terrible, but I have to go on anyway, and I go on and all of a sudden it's like the best show I've yeah. ever done. Hmm. And I, it's I like don't, medicine. It is, it is. When I, when the first uh, Gypsy Run, which is basically the first public performance of a show, the Gypsy Run of Gypsy, to go out kind of semi-nude as a stripper, you know, and I didn't know if this bit was going to work, which we had talked about, my heart was literally out to here. I was, it was pounding. And I had to sing, which oh, I'm not that's, a singer. Yeah, that's and Gypsy carries with it such a theatrical weight. And <coughs> I was so terrified. The minute I got out there and I heard applause, honey, you could barely get me to finish the number. <laughs> I know, yeah. <laughs> it's true. And that's that litmus test that we're talking mm -hmm. about. But there are other people, it's so interesting that they're in the business, they're doing very well. They're enjoying it, but they don't have the hunger. They mm -hmm. don't have the need. You, and even and they're the, not going to do it. Even through the five years of, the, of, of that horror that I carried with me, during, I had to keep, I had to do it, I had to do it. But when, you, when, you, when I hear someone say, oh, I couldn't wait till that was over, it's like, don't do it. Yeah. Don't yeah. do it. There's yeah. no point. With, if that's how you feel. Don't do it. I don't care how scared you are. What, you've, got to, you've got to love it. You've got to crave it. You want it. You have to 
It's a bit of an addiction, eating. I think. Yeah, I'm oh. just trying to think, what does this yeah. come from? Where, where it's is addiction. It? What's it more is interesting? Maybe it's more the addiction of the adrenaline run, <laughs> rush, what's and the need, and the need yes. for... What's more interesting than turning into another person? Yeah, that's... That's something we really can't. We're not shapeshifters in this world. We're, we are who we are. But we get this amazing license to do that, to actually become another person, maybe a fictional character, maybe a real character, like a real person like you're playing but now. See that I, don't, I can't compute that because to me it's so hard to be one person. <laughs> I mean, to become person. a person, you're still to that think person. that I'm going to fragment but you're myself translating, other people. you're translating your life into somebody else's life yeah. in order to tell it's a story. You put yourself escapism. back to when you were a child and when you used to mm. like to pretend. Yeah. That's, yeah. We've extended childhood Look how committed they are. Forever. <laughs> you watch yeah, kids play. Is, they're totally committed. It's There's your own no fa fa fantasization yeah. and your own, uh, it's your escape. You escape. You're escaping. Mm -hmm. I had a fever before I went on last Saturday night and I went out there and it was like, ta -da! Really? And, and afterwards, like, my fever's gone. <laughs> I could have in, but whatever. I'm having a good time. I could time. have saved Eleanor Roosevelt. <laughs> and I, I do think, too, actors are so, you know, I just adore actors. You know, mm -hmm. I think actors get such a terrible rap. You know, it's, there are certain celebrities, of course, that, you know, should be in a state hospital and whatnot. <laughs> and, and, and some are. But um, the, the actors I know, uh, are such a great combination of, you know, very low self-esteem and very high narcissism. But it's a, it's a, it's a very strange blend. It's a very it strange works. blend. But, but the thing that I love about actors, if they're not in state hospitals and rehabs, is that they have a lot of fortitude. You know, there's something so moving about people who say, look, I know I've got ego this or that, da, da, but I believe in what I'm doing and I believe in this piece and I believe in this community and I'm going to go out there every night. People pay this money and I'm going to give them this. You know what? That's a noble profession. And I Absolutely. think we've gotten away from that on, on, because of this sort of strange cult, celebrity, popular culture, mm -hmm. whatever. But it started, you know, in a, in a strange way as a noble thing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you had a fever. You went out there. It feeds you, but it feeds them. You're giving a gift. It's a, the actors I know are the most intelligent, this most fortitudinous, mm -hmm. giving, giving, generous. People. There's still nobility in the business. We have Paris Hilton, Britney <laughs> Spears. <laughs> what did they do? You're laughing at her wait until dark was excellent. Ah, she was awesome. <laughs> she was a little young for it, but it was excellent. Well, like this panel. I mean, look at this panel. Yes. These people, these are people experts. I've admired for years. It's exciting for me to be with Judy Kay. I've loved Judy Kay, you know, for a long time. She's oh. incredible. Thank you. Mario, I've known for years. We're, you know, he's like my brother. Michael, this we've one, seen forget it so it. many. I can't even, like, you know what I mean? I've loved things. his work for so much. It's like ridiculous. <laughs> but it's exciting for me. But for the really, truly jaded actor, you know, they're like, yeah, I did this thing. I'm excited. This is going to carry me. I'm going to bring this tonight to the oh, theater. Oh, good. I'm so glad. You know what so I mean? I'm glad. going to bring this. I'm going to tell people. I was with Michael today. I was with Mario. <laughs> that's I was, okay. you know, that's tell Mary Bond hello for me. Oh, I I'll will. Tell Mary Bond hello. <laughs> I will. But you know what I mean? All this thing, it's, it's exciting. And I'm still excited. You know, I'm 150 years old. I'm still excited <laughs> by being on this panel you with these fabulous. people. Thank you, darling. But and you know what I mean? And new projects fuel you, exactly. too. Like, you're in, like, exactly. I've got, you know, it's like, you, you, it, you, it heightens you. When you're not you're doing probably anything, all you're work like, together again well, in I some way. When I went to Mario's opening, no? I could barely get through the first 10 minutes because my husband and I were just crying. Oh. Because we were so yeah. excited to see Mario on that stage. I mean, I'm getting all eclipsed <laughs> now. But I mean, when, when Harvey opened in Hairspray, I could, you know, he's a very dear friend. I could barely get through the first 10 minutes. Uh -huh. I was 
beside myself. When I got gypsy, Mario, uh, Mario, well, you also called me, but Harvey was so verklempt about my getting gypsy, he had to call me three times because he was crying so hard. I mean, that's very moving stuff, and that's the kind of thing that fuels people. We keep going. Thank you so very much. We've that's come it? to the end oh, of our program. Oh my God! And you finished. Don't cry. Let's all hit it at the same time. It's very good. Thank oh. you. I learned so I love much. You, Tim. Oh, they, love it. they love each other. <laughs> <laughs> These are our comedians. Weren't they wonderful? I've learned so much. Oh. Thank you so very much. We're coming to you from the Graduate Center of City University at New York. I'm Pia Linson for the American Theatre Wing. Thank you. <laughs>